friends, welcome to episode 224 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm actually not doing too bad tonight. Buddy, I have a fat burrito in my belly right now. I am and, seconding that emotion. Oh, and uh, Sean joined us for dinner. He's got yep. a fat burrito in his in his, in his his belly right we're now. We're all going to be asleep in about 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to be happy about we're it, man. so happy. Oh actually, I think with the topic tonight, we won't be asleep for the next 30 minutes. We'll be still deep into this, 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 I'm not going to call it a beast, but again, like we do research, and it uncovers so many things. I think this is another one of those topics where, like, we kind of expected it to be like, uh, yeah, you know, here's what the topic is, and here's a few ways of dealing with it. Okay, sorry, it was a short episode, and then we sit down and we start talking about it, and we're like, oh god, this is, is going to be an hour and a half. The, the like, pre-show before the show that that teaches us that we should, you know, be more careful about the topics we choose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. Maybe we should break this into a two-parter, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, do we have any gaming coming up? I know Sean was trying to schedule his game the other day. Um, August is weird for us, for gaming. Like, it's like a weird dead zone where nobody has any scheduling available. Well, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in the month of August, and then like, I went to Gen Con. Like, those things is so... birthdays, too. You yeah, know? which is also true. Mm-hmm. So. Yours is, what, two weeks or something like that? It's next week. That's so geez. Yeah, already. Already getting old. Old man. Old man here. Old man. Yeah. So, uh, so overall than that, I really don't feel there's a lot going on with us. I don't feel like we have... I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to find some time, like I was saying, to get into uh, Tiny Tavern. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to crack that book open and see if yeah. it's everything I want it to be. It might not be, and I don't expect it to f- solve all my problems. Sure. But at the same time, like, I'm just looking for that, looking for the framing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got that, uh, what is it, uh, Dragon Bane that I've got to take a look at as well, the the starter, the quick start that I got from uh, Free League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got Pirate Borg, which I'm excited to, to take a look at. It is different mm-hmm. in look and feel, but it is chalk full. Like, that tiny book is so full. Man, I flipped through that thing, and it is, like, it's a, it's not a, it's not a small book either. No, no, no. It's, it, 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 it's such I a, mean, it's, it's a physically kind of small book, but. <laughs> it's, it's, like, such whiplash coming from Merkborg, though. Which, yeah. Because it, Merkborg, like, de, de, didn't, you know, gives you full-page spreads dedicated to artwork just to tell you that a club does a D6 damage, it's you lovely. know? It's lovely. Um, and with this illustrious and gory picture to go mm-hmm. along with it. Uh, whereas Pirateburg is a, like, probably, um, maybe one and a half times the size, and every page is content-rich. Yeah, it, it feels like a logbook slash nautical glossary slash journal. Yeah. All crammed into one. Like, it feels like, you know what, you know what I think they really hit on that one? Hmm. Uh is it feels like a nautical map. The more you look at it, the more you see, the more detail there is. Yeah, I'll give you that. So you that. I, I think that's it. So Who, who does it? Who, grab, grab the grab. Oh, yeah, hang yeah. on a second. Who, we should, we should give credit where credit is due here. Uh, here. There you go. So Pirateburg is by Limithron. Yeah, it's still produced through... Oh, through, uh, through Free League Free Publishing. League. Okay, so um, Free League Workshop. Yeah, it's still Free League uh, at the at the base of it, but... 2022 Limithron LLC. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But, nice uh, uh, nice satin finish on the cover, some yeah, embossing. I, some... When I was at Gen Con, I saw uh, so many great books. The blood on the blade and coming out of his mouth is glossy. It's yeah. It's really nice, yeah. No, it's, it's a great book. Yeah. 
Like, I'm so glad I picked it up, too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right up your alley. Yeah, and it, it comes with a map. It's Free League. It's fire, it's, yeah. it's, it's pirate-themed. Uh, pirate I mean, And uh, they, they had extras that oh, you okay. get for getting the book. But, yeah, like, as always, the first page has what's important, you know? Yeah. So you, you get everything you need from the beginning and end of the book. Never like have just to, never yeah. have to search for it. Open never have to open. I love that. Good, 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 good production work. Good production work. Uh, other gaming news. My, uh, uh, my Savage Worlds Fantasy Companion Kickstarter yeah. came in today. I saw the pictures. Uh, the whole the whole complete kit. It's got some adventure cards, a new adventure deck. It's got NPC mm-hmm. cards uh, in there, which is great because if I just need a random person, um, I've I've got a whole deck of them now in full color glossy cards. Um, the the fantasy companion itself, of course, and mm-hmm. a a, uh, a big box of like cardboard cutout um, monsters and, and 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 you know creatures and That's stuff. That's always like that. nice. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you, I mean, you know me. I use my game as an excuse to paint new minis. Mm-hmm. So I probably won't be using them. But, you know, they're they're out there for our group if anybody needs or wants them. Hell yeah. I mean, if anybody just wants to run a, a quick Savage World game, like a one-shot or something that's fast. You don't even have to be Savage Worlds. I mean, it's a cardboard cutout of an owl bear in there, man. That is true. Hoot growl. Hoot growl. So... Well, that being said, yeah, uh, I feel like this topic will run over an hour, so uh, buckle up. Uh, there's a lot of information, and stick to the <clears> end. You might uh, you might get to hear a rant. As our um, British friends say, let's get stuck in. So, uh, today's topic is The Chosen One, and that is, I guess, more of a trope than anything else. Oh, yeah, I think everybody knows the trope. But we should always define it. Oh, let's yeah, let's of be course. reasonable here. Oh, I'm um, being reasonable. You know. So uh, the chosen one uh, is is basically designated by some level of authority, prophecy, uh, king, whatever. Is the only one capable of resolving the plot, either by destiny or occasional based on their skills, um, or or I. I, I I've oftentimes seen it where it's it's less skill and more like just their soul, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. something like that uh, that pushes it. Um, it's typically one individual, but there's there's a lot of variations. variations. There's a remarkable number of variations of this. Trope. Surprising number, honestly. Um, there's a lot of media references. Obviously, this goes back in history, pr- all the way back to the beginning of stories. God, without one, one might even say Jesus Christ is a chosen one trope. I mean, <laughs> I I would not deny that. I yeah. would not deny Moses. You wouldn't, you wouldn't deny Christ. <laughs> okay. Wow. 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 <laughs> Nor Moses, for that matter. So right, let's yeah. keep everyone happy. Um, <laughs> but like Harry Potter is a recent one. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, or even Korra, yep, Legend of Korra. Yep. Um, Buffy, one of our personal Buffy favorites we bring up all the time. One of my favorites, yes. Um, you love Wheel of Time? Wheel of Time, yeah. Um, is nothing but a 14-book-long chosen one trope. It very much is. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn I and Forbidden West, I totally agree. Aloy is a 100% chosen one character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Matrix. Yep. Uh, and it, it falls into a lot of the characters. Moana. Um, sure. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. You know, uh, all of these are chosen one stories. Um, there is a underlying feeling that seems to pour out of this, and that is is that it's there's a kind of a human need during our teens to figure out where we fit in the greater part of the universe. Yeah, yeah. and it, this kind of chosen one 
falls into a lot of the young adult novels oh, because yeah. of that. You like know, Percy, Hunger Games, Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson, yeah. Hunger Games, Harry Potter, very popular. Um, yeah, when you're when you're in, when you're in your your teens, uh, the chosen one trope really uh, speaks to a lot of young teens because at the at that point in your life, you're old enough to know that you need to be something. And you mm-hmm. need to accomplish something and feel, right. you know, you feel the weight of that responsibility, you know, looming at your doorstep. But you're still young enough to not have any idea, you know, well, not to how mention, to make that happen. Everybody up to that point and through that point has been telling you what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then at just a certain point, no one's telling you anymore. Yeah. So and, yeah, a power fantasy that literally exists of I have a purpose and that purpose is good. Right. Is, you know, I mean, it's, it speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we ask the question, like we've talked about it in media, we know the definition, mm-hmm. how does this apply to TTRPGs? So I, I, I think, I think the chosen one trope has a weird place in TTRPGs. And I think we, I agree. we kind of verified this when we were doing a little bit of our research to kind of get the pulse of what, what the community was thinking on mm-hmm. it. Um, you tend to see a lot of negative reactions to the trope. I agree. Um, for for a handful of, of of reasons. So first off, uh, let's address the big elephant in the room. The operative word in chosen one is one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so immediately when somebody hears a chosen one trope, they immediately think that one character in a group of maybe four or five players is mm-hmm. going to be the special one, and everybody else is going to be riding their coattails. Right. Um, and so, like, what do you do with the other players at the table? Is the big question then? Yeah. Uh, are they going to feel inadequate? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same group as the chosen one, like yeah. their actions don't matter. Like, okay, the, all the plots hung on this person. Cool, I'm glad to be along for the ride. Right. Um, depending on how the trope is implemented, uh, the story. I mean, can their actions even matter? Regardless of who's doing those actions, the one is always destined to go blah. Right. Exactly. So, how does it matter? What you know? Do you have agency, really? Yeah. You. You. In. In. On the surface, you would say no. Correct. You know. Um, and then, you know, typically the chosen one is chosen because they exhibit some sort of extraordinary ability that makes mm-hmm. them unique, you mm-hmm. know? Um, are other players going to feel inadequate next to a hero that outshines them constantly? Yeah. You know, how, you can almost kind of see this a, a little bit in, like, uh, The Matrix. Yeah. You know, Neo is just out there bending reality. What was anybody else doing in there? Yeah. You know, they're just looking at him going, wow. Well, like he can fly. Cool. A, another really good point to that is if you've seen uh, Kung Fu Panda, mm-hmm. like there's literally six other warriors of light who have been kicking butt for a long time. And here comes this tubby panda who's supposed to be the chosen one. And they're all like, excuse me, mm-hmm. like this has been my life. I protect people every day. Like we go to great lengths. Who's this tubby panda? <laughs> like, like, why, why do I follow this dude now? You know, right? And and that I one hundred percent I see that movie translating without doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that also steps into the next realm of like, if they can't fail, they have plot armor, right? You're okay. So the story <laughs> is you're destined to save the world. Cool. So we already know the ending. You know. Uh, right. <laughs> are you even capable of failing? Um, and then like. Whatever set things in motion said that they basically have to succeed, does this effectively give the hero plot armor? What happens if they fail? Can they? Can, I mean, not only can they, but like, you know, assume they can. What then? Right. Can you have a destiny that says you will save the world 
and then not. Right. And I, is it really a destiny then, or is it just a a, a hunch? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Is it a false prophecy of right, some kind? Right. 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 And, and I think this is this is where we step into the negative realm of what a lot of the groups talk about, where yeah. they don't want to play RPGs, you know, whether it's digital or tabletop, that even grace into that area because you end up with these, you know, uh, inexplicable people who can do no wrong, who are skilled magically or mystically and cannot fail. Yeah, and right. have and have no flaws. Right, exactly. And the, there's a word for this in the community. Yes, definitely. It is called a Mary Sue. Or a Gary Stew. Or a Gary Stew. Yeah, which I, came I, much later, uh, sadly. It's 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 a term that you've probably all heard in some way, shape, or form. Um, it comes largely from uh, from uh, fan fiction. Yeah, where people would do like self insert characters, basically that are just and just basically living out their 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 own power fantasies on on the pages of uh, of other fan fiction and stuff like that. Um, I I I really don't like the the term because it carries a lot of like misogynist, you know, because it's oh, yeah. almost always a female character they're talking about. And almost always you can find a male character that does the exact same thing, but they don't get accused of being a Mary Sue. So many. So, so many. Uh, I, I don't particularly like the term, but it does apply to how the chosen one is at least perceived to Oftentimes, be. Oftentimes, yeah. The, there's an expectation when people hear the, cho- the, the, the chosen one that they think that the chosen one is immediately going to be a Mary Sue character or a Gary Stew. Right, right. Uh, 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 inexplicably able to do all of the things. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that being said, there are variations on this. It doesn't necessarily have to just be the one person by a prophecy. And I think this is where that variation can allow for a lot more, I guess, um, weight in, uh, and flexibility within storytelling in TTRPG. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. this kind of opens that door to allow you as the storyteller to examine it under a different light. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a um, lot of different ways of dealing with this. Um, the, 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 the chosen many. I liked that one. I it, like that concept. Um, is, is a, is a great way of doing this. You, you kind of, you kind of distribute the weight of the chosen one sort of thing. Um, yeah. And everybody in the group gets to be special. I actually ran a whole campaign based on this trope. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, a campaign that a um, old friend of mine uh, ran that was uh, basically we were there was a big a big war between mm-hmm. the light the light gods and the dark gods. That typical trope of mm-hmm. like the light mm-hmm. gods and the dark gods are going to do battle, so they choose mortal agents, and yep. you guys duke it out on the planet on you know. Um, and so what I did was a follow-up campaign to that and basically mm-hmm. said, okay, the war is over, the light won, that's fine, but there is still Agents of the Dark out there, mm-hmm. and we essentially need a cleanup squad to make sure that, like, they don't continue to be thorns in the side and stuff like that. Right. So I had another group, they all got, like, these, myst- they woke up with, like, mystical marks on their arm, mm-hmm. and they were drawn to each other. They could, they could almost like a... Like a slight telepathic link. They mm-hmm. couldn't share thoughts directly, but they could kind of sense <clears throat> distance, direction, and general sense of well-being yeah. from one another. Um, so they were all kind of drawn to each other, and then they were like, they were all drawn to this temple, and the the the, the, uh, the, uh, the priest there told them, like, oh yeah, that's the mark of the light gods. They want you to go out and do some stuff. Right. Um, worked really well. Mm-hmm. Worked really well, because... Um, so... The, the the big thing is basically is that you can um 
you you give your group a sense of purpose by doing this Mm -hmm. okay you don't have to depend on them to take a plot hook when you tell them you've literally got a tattoo given to you by the gods that is your plot hook you have to do their bidding Mm -hmm. you know now obviously i mean your D &D players are there they want to lean into the plot because they they want to play and stuff with that but but it's a you know it's it's a good way of just giving giving the entire group a a good shove Right, like I, I think it's a healthy way because it allows it allows for a lot more agency between them. Mm-hmm. Acceptance, you can have the like regret and everything in between them, but it still marks them all as a possibility for fulfilling whatever this destiny is. Exactly, and it doesn't even have you. You don't all have to have like the group going up to the same destiny either. Yeah, you can kind of share the weight on that. Mm-hmm. Break up the chosen one dust, d- destiny duties, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, one can be you know wheel. One is destined to wield the magic sword. One's destined to seal away an ancient evil. One is destined to bring a people together. You wasn't know? wasn't this the opening to D and D the animation that the dungeon master like had jobbed out the roles <laughs> i literally don't know like I, I i somehow vaguely remember something close to that yeah, I, um, if, if you pointed to the characters i could say oh those are from the D cartoon but i couldn't tell you who anybody is yeah it's it's been too long um i do like the next one the chosen wannabe the chosen wannabe yeah the yeah. character wants to be the chosen one but doesn't yeah yeah um I, I do want to preface this by saying that a lot of these tropes, I am going to at some point a little bit later go off on a bit of a I'm not going to call it a rant because we'll call it a tangent. A, t- a tangent about Wheel of Time because the Wheel of Time series is all about the chosen one trope and looking at it from like seven different angles. Yeah, and the chosen wannabe is a pretty prevalent one in there. Yeah, and and I also feel that like the chosen wannabe is a fantastic way to present a possibility of mm-hmm. failure. Um, especially when you can... It works best when you can legitimately put the mirror in front of them and show them the entire path where they made the choices to believe that. They accepted it until the very end, and then they were like, oh, it wasn't me. It was never me, kind of a thing. Um I think the wannabe also falls under the category of the this is the thing that's the supposed to be the chosen one, but actually the chosen one is me. Mm-hmm. Like where you want it to be this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no. Oh, that was because I was carrying it. Oh, crap. I'm the thing. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say that falls under the Da Vinci Code kind of a thing mm-hmm. as well. It kind of falls into that category. I've I've actually seen uh, storytellers using the chosen wannabe trope um, uh, in their games by just putting a prophecy out there mm-hmm. and just waiting to see. Like, you, you, it's kind of kind of doing that like cold read, you know, like psychic thing mm-hmm. where you're like you put the prophecy out there and it's vague enough that it really applies to just about anybody. Mm-hmm. But you'll get certain characters at your table who are seeking that greatness, either mm-hmm. consciously or subconsciously, mm-hmm. who go, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like me. Reverse plot psychology? Reverse plot psychology. Yeah, no, literally. Like, it, it, you, you, you Reverse can... plot hook psychology? That's why I say like, it's, it's kind of like, a, like, like the, the psychic reading thing where like, you cold read somebody. You're like, oh, I'm, you're, you're a, a gregarious person. You are successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you value your friends. Like, right. That's everybody. Like, you know. 
that you can call like some people can cold read amazingly well yeah and present a, a pretty good case but at the same time i get you yeah you know <laughs> and so you put things out there and you're like oh this person is that that the chosen one is powerful and has strong faith in there in in in, in the divine and uh is destined for great things and wields a mighty weapon. Mm-hmm. And you'll get you'll get a, at least one PC in the group going like, "Oh crap, guys, it sounds like me." Yeah, and yeah. you can lean into that mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. you once you catch them on that hook. You can really you can reel them in. And yeah, some interesting stuff. Very much so. Very much so. Um, the chosen zero. Now, I like the chosen zero. I see it way too often. I think. Uh, a lot more now than than anything else mm-hmm. because you by definition they're not special there's literally nothing special about them until it is next it, until it's necessary mm-hmm. the, the disparity has to be there there has to be a class power some kind of a structure that shows that they are kind of not yeah anything um and i think that some stories wash that away very quickly mm-hmm. you know and then have to build the failure back on like the the you are nothing part you know like harry potter did that right off the bat like first book it's like hey you know this kid's the chosen one everybody has been saying it and yet he's just a kid mm-hmm. and then he does something miraculous but it immediately wipes him out right, right right it has to be something where it's like no you're just a kid no you're just a kid yeah like yeah keep the hand of oppression on there keep the framing around it though the one good thing that harry potter did um was uh the the whole the, she, she did lean in at least at the at the beginning to the whole like this is the like he literally just got his wand yesterday this is the first time he's ever done this yes we are watching the first spells this cat this kid has ever cast and there are wizards that have like you know and we're talking elementary school kids like Draco Malfoy, but mm-hmm. they grew up in a wizarding household in a wizarding world mm-hmm. who just do this stuff in their sleep mm-hmm. and can dunk on them any day of the week. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And and they, but I think that framing works very well in that. But mm-hmm. again, presenting it in that sense of like, you have to be the one to do this at the same time. You're totally useless at this point. Now, let me let me bring up something that came up here in the live chat. Knox in the Box asked, is Frodo the chosen one? Says, I mean, no. he volunteered, but couldn't anyone have done it? So, Do you think he fits the chosen zero? Because he is nobody. And he does volunteer for it, technically, but like... Did he choose it, or was there a subtle hand of fate behind it? I mean, there was no great prophecy saying, like, oh, Frodo, you will be the one. But, like, does he does he kind of fit? It, through through action I, and circumstance, does he kind of fit the, the, the chosen one trope? He fits the chosen one trope, but not the tro- chosen zero, I would say. Okay. I okay. think he really more fits in it sucks to be the chosen one trope. Or the multiple choice chosen. Correct. Okay. I would say he fits into the next one that it sucks to be the chosen one because by accepting that he is now the chosen one, yep. everything stares at him. Okay, fair enough. He has to deal with all of the BS. The, I am the dragonborn. Now dragons show up to chew on my face. That never happened. No one else gets their face chewed on. That's my problem now. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Paul Atreides from Dune also came up in the live chat. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I don't see... It was pointed out that he was a chosen wannabe, but I don't think he want. I don't think he was a chosen wannabe. I don't think Paul aspired to be the Quetzalcoatlac. 
No. Kwisat Haderach? Is that how it's called? Haderach. Kwisat Haderach. Yes. Um, um, I, I think he's a multiple choice chosen. I, I, th- I, I think anyone could have landed in that, and Paul was the one that fit the bill. Yeah, no, I, I completely... Uh, so, but, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Which, he almost falls under the other chosen many. Meaning, like, somewhere along the line, this was going to happen. Right, okay, so so for those of you who aren't familiar with Dune's story, um, uh, and, and I, I apologize for brief spoilers here on a very great story that's going to be coming out, uh, you'll probably get a lot of this story in the second installment of the new Dune movie that's coming out very soon. The books have been out for a while, but there the have been, have been previous while, movies yeah. and TV series, you are doing nothing about spoilers here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, is basically that the, the, um, the witches, the, uh... Ben Jesuits um, have been essentially seeding the idea that a chosen one will come along because they want to cause the Fremen to rally around the idea that a chosen one will show up. And eventually someone will fit that bill and well, the Fremen will rise up and go, oh, holy crap, you're the chosen one. Well, not only that, they're also literally breeding the perfect line to right. do that. They're trying to create the person who will fulfill the prophecy that they made up Correct. to make a bunch of fanatics worship him. Correct. So that they can break reality effectively. So, so that <laughs> they can stick their their pre-made chosen one into their weird religion mm-hmm. and then say, see, you've got a fanatic army. You should do something with it. Yeah. Let's, we'll guide you. Let's change everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, to their fault, it worked too well. Um, and that's a whole nother story. Whoops. Whoopsie. How, how fanatics make problems that work too well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, self-fulfilling pro- prophecies. So... Uh, let's see, we talked about this, it sucks to be the chosen one. It sucks to be the chosen one, and herein comes my tangent about Wheel of Time. Should I just sit back and sip some tea? You should. Okay. You should. It's fine. Um, alright, so, sucks to be the chosen one is basically Randall Thor from the Wheel of Time in a nutshell. Um, if you're watching, uh, actually, season two of Wheel of Time comes out, uh, on, uh, September 1st. Not on, sponsored. On Prime. Not sponsored. Just very enthusiastic. Um... But I have read all the books and stuff like that. You um, have. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, especially if you have read the books, you, you haven't, you have not gotten to this part in the story yet if you're just, if you're only watching the TV show. But man, that, that boy has such a rough go of it. He is a sheep herder from a small village called the Two Rivers, and they just walk in and tell him, hey, by the way, you are the dragon reborn. Um, you are the reincarnated soul of the best you know, caster that the the world has ever seen, the one who broke the world, and you are his reincarnated soul. You may break it again, or you might save it. We don't know, but you've got the power to do either, depending on how you turn out. So, since we're the good guys and we got a hold of you first, we're going to be trying to tutor you how to become the savior of all mankind. Um, sorry to let you know this, sheep herder from the two rivers. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've got precisely, like, uh, not enough time to figure everything out, rally the entire known world to your banner, and go and fight the ultimate last battle against the Shadow. Good luck! Mm-hmm. And what proceeds is 14 books of him basically going, I hate this, this sucks, I hate this, this sucks, <laughs> having mental breakdowns, mm-hmm. flagellating himself over every you know, life that's lost in his name, in his duty, uh, you know, and just ultimately really struggling with the whole concept and the mantle of being the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Um, 
it culminates in like I don't know book nine or ten or something like that, where he he outright almost just summons up all of his power and just renukes the world just to be done with it mm-hmm. because he's under so much strain and there's so much death and destruction going on that he's like, I understand why my predecessor went insane. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I think there's a lot to do with that. Like, I think anybody who who thinks that the chosen one trope is just a a Mary Sue that's going to be this this. I mean, you could you can do both. Mm-hmm. You can give your you can give your 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 main character astronomical power, but understand that if you settle them with the same sort of responsibility, that that's a weight that nobody should have to bear. Yeah. Not a single person should have to bear the entire weight of the fate of the world on them. Yeah, there's there's a scene in a short story about uh, that fits along with this, where basically uh, the chosen one ends up fighting one, the 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 a demon horde in a city, mm-hmm. and he's just you know it's a huge fight. You know he can't be stopped, kind of a thing. He's kind of immortal, knocking down all kinds of stuff. And when it's all said and done, like he he's literally beating the last demon who's like the son of the beholder who started mm-hmm. all this and the beholder just like walks around the corner clapping while he's beating up that that beholder's son and he's just like what he's just like the beholder, you did... the beholder was clapping but uh uh not beholder um uh a bahamut oh uh, so like winged beast Dra- dragon okay yeah, yeah, you could yeah, say yeah. that okay. um and he basically comes around the corner clapping he's like why are you clapping he's like I brought half an army here, and look at the destruction you did. You've done everything I've ever wanted. Thank right. you so much. And he, like, stops, and he realizes, like, oh, I just fulfilled the other side of this prophecy, the failure, mm-hmm. by not giving a crap about anyone but myself. And yep. he's just like, and now you're going to go wallow somewhere, just like, you know, just like as is expected. Go, go sit in your lonely mountain. I'll be taking over the world. Don't worry. I won't be as bad as you are. And points at the destruction. Ooh. Yeah. You know, you should have taken the deal early on to just walk away and all of this wouldn't have happened. Oh, man. But look what you've wrought. Yeah. And it's that's the kind of feeling that you want in a situation like this where you do have someone who basically loses track of reality. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, one of the uh, one of the other things that people kind of forget about the Chosen One thing is that uh, some people know you're the Chosen One. Mm-hmm. And that makes you a lot of enemies, specifically the people who want to stop you from doing the thing that you're doing. Yep. And if you are the chosen one, yeah. you may not be the only one who knows that. Mm-hmm. And so it instantly paints a big target specifically on your head. Yeah, and especially the more you talk yourself up, because if there's anything the chosen ones like doing, they like the fame. Mm-hmm. So, But that tends to get you in trouble. Uh, and also, you know, just keep in mind that destiny only defies the end point. It doesn't say the road there will be safe or easy. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, and then we've got, like, the multiple choice chosen. Yeah, and I, kind think, of I think this is where Paul Atreides falls in. I do feel that this falls in that category. Um, so there is a chosen one, but multiple people could be the chosen one. Somewhere in a lineage, like this house. Right. We'll see the end fall of this one, and you know. Now, I will say, Wheel of Time did this in the TV show. Yes. Not in the books. The books, they come right out and say, no, no, Rand is the chosen one. Right. We're going from there. Right. And then his friends are like, oh, but we're coming with him. Right. Of, of course you are, Mr. Frodo, and I'm coming with you. Right. Um. But uh, the the TV show did they do this where they're like, we know the dragon is in this village. Right. 
and we know all of you are Tavirin, are, are are chosen ones in some way. Right. But are you the chosen one? Right. Um, and so we're just going to take all of you, mm-hmm. and we're going to work that out as we go and yep. figure it out. Yep. Yep. Um, I I like using like a race or a class of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, or when it's, uh, or like in the case of a lineage, uh, like the name of a house, so that like, you know, that house was all but destroyed, mm-hmm. is a great way to start, you know, like, we've, we've done, you know, uh, we've done our best to wipe that out, and it won't be a problem, and there's always one left, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it, they didn't kill, you know, was it, uh, uh, kill the wolf, leave the boy, or, you know, let one left, uh, leave one Stark, and you know you'll have an uprising. You yeah, know, the yeah. whole idea is is that you have to kill the it to the last, and mm-hmm. then the, you, you just don't. That doesn't happen. Yeah, that's the key to this. You know that it could always be the one other. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes you find in the chosen ones where it's a zero to hero, or it's it's subverted in some way that they often will like sprinkle the multiple chosen as a possibility and maybe not outright say it like even in Harry Potter, they were like, is it Harry or is it Neville? Because all of the lines could be either one of them all the way to the end. And the real question is, does it matter in the end? Does it matter? I don't know if we're talking movie Neville, he's hotter. Well, and I'm going to say this truly in the end, you could make the argument that it didn't. Mm-hmm. Because all you had to do was destroy the Horcruxes and then defeat the wizard with the right wand, which Harry got by chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally. That it, it could have been Neville who got it, like, at any time. In fact, it could have been anyone who got it at that point. So it really doesn't prove anything more other than a prophecy about these things could be kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. So I like the multiple choice being a vagary that's added, like, sprinkled on top to allow for those kind of changes. Yeah, and the other thing too is it's it's kind of very much like the uh, uh, like the the chosen many where or the chosen wannabe kind of all together wrapped into one, where you've kind of got this like one of you might be the chosen one. You can kind of have the PCs tr- all trying to aspire to be the chosen one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that could be that could be better or or you know that uh, that could be um, good or bad. Mm-hmm. I suppose you know it, it could it could result in hogging the spotlight, but it could also result in some really fun gameplay. So, long time ago, uh-huh. uh, in a Las Vegas far, far away, uh, they had the uh, Star Trek experience. Yeah, yeah, and, I remember that. And it that. was a, a whole event that you went through. Mm-hmm. Well, it opens basically with you being taken away from the Star Trek experience by the Enterprise, who tell you that the Borg have come back in time to kill Picard's ancestor. Okay, okay. One of you is Picard's ancestor here. We don't know who, and we don't have time to do blood work. So you're all coming with us. All right, all right. And that's kind of a chosen one frame-up, where you have multiples where, like, you don't know, but we have to protect this entire lot. Multiple choice chosen. Yeah, Yeah, so that's exactly it. So it's, it's a different way of looking at it in the sense that, like, Yes, you're a chosen one, but there are others that are saying, like, we don't know which one of you it is. We don't have the time to even review this. Um, maybe later we'll do it, but right now we're taking all of you because it's it's the safest bet for us to protect you all. Um, and I, I, I loved that concept. 
Um, and I think time travel as a whole kind of gives you that when you get far enough back, lineage is weird. So I hate time travel. It causes so many plot problems. It does, uh, but like I always say, at a certain distance away from anything, everything's mm-hmm. blurry, and it really yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So Because That's it's right. all about perception. Like, what's in lore is what someone perceived. Right, right. So... Uh, so one one last oh you know I actually I said we, were, we would come back to the whole chosen chosen wannabe thing mm-hmm. um, and I, I said there was a wheel in time tie, uh, tie in there yeah uh, it's interesting because like, you've got the prophecy essentially that the dragon will be reborn yeah and so basically any channeler with enough power chances are they'll declare themselves a dragon yeah yeah and so you've got like a whole group of the Aes Sedai who are the female the female wizards basically dedicated to. Not only just rounding up just male channelers in general because they all go insane because right. because the male half of the magic is is tainted, um, but uh, specifically they have like hit squads that go out with the green Aja to try to hunt down these false dragons mm-hmm. because they will do stuff like they will try to fulfill the prophecy, mm-hmm. which means raising armies and conquering nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, when our story begins in the. Um, I think both in the books and the TV show, there's a whole there's mm-hmm. a whole kingdom that is like Mirandy. I think it is is like dealing with a false dragon mm-hmm. that has like effed up their entire kingdom and killed their king, mm-hmm. or was trying to re- kill their king. Loghain recruits the king to his flag. Yeah, at the end of that of of, of that plot, like yeah. it's it's a really great scene. But yeah, I mean, what do you what do you do with a dude who's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm the chosen one. Yeah, you should all join me. Oh crap, maybe he is the chosen one. Could if I wasn't the chosen one, could I do this? Yeah. Oh god, I don't know if it could. Yeah. Wow. What's the get? What's the gamble that he is the chosen? Okay, no, we. You know, it's probably the end of the world if we don't get behind this guy. Yeah. We really, you know, and suddenly you've just got some schmo who's gone insane enough to believe it. Yep. I mean, I, and I, they've got an army. <laughs> I I played that up in my D and D game. Yeah, I you basically did. created false versions of you guys for like fifty years that were, or twenty years that were running around. Yeah, saying that you had come back. Yeah, like, that, that like, became a whole thing for my character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to see who was going to attach to it, and you you bought it, and I loved it. Oh, there was there was a plot that with these mighty heroes will return someday. Who's to say we're not them? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I don't think we are them. Right, but nobody else knows that. And maybe you are. And maybe you are, yeah. Maybe we fake it till we make it. Maybe yeah. we'll just take this show on the road, we'll bilk some people out of their money, and eventually a big thing will come around and we'll be the hit squad that gets it. So That's right, because we'll have everything we need. Yeah. Yep, yep. So. Uh, one last little nugget to leave you guys with. If there's a chosen one hero, is there also a chosen one villain? I think that's a great story. I think there's some things to, if you're going to include a chosen one trope, consider that in your, uh, in your world building. I'm just, I'm going to put it out there. Lego movie. The Lego movie. Haven't seen it. It does. You will never see it. I'm guessing. Sure. Probably. It's it's good. Mm -hmm. And the flip is at the end. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like the chosen one is all throughout it. And then you, the chosen one at the end realizes, oh, it's not me. Mm-hmm. And that's the flip. So okay. the, the, the villain is actually the chosen one. All right. So, but uh, no, I agree. I agree. <sighs> now we come to the next half hour. <laughs> I don't think it'll be half an hour, but it might be. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be a half hour, but, but there's, there there's some problems. There are problems. And these things, 
extend from our research a little bit. The, the there, there's perceived problems. Yes, I, I kind of want to frame this correctly here. So, the the reason we're to, we're saying these these are problems is because when we started this discussion with you guys today, we we talked a bit about how there is an undercurrent of people who just bristle. Mm-hmm. At the term, the chosen one, and yep. they just immediately think that it's going to be some Mary Sue story, blah 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 blah. It can never work in TDRBGs because it removes stuff. There's all kinds of pieces that are involved. You know, uh, it, railroading comes up all the time in it. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so we kind of just want to like talk about the problems that the, the the community as a whole perceives as the killing blow that that that, that puts the nail in the coffin of the chosen one here. Okay. So. So, the first one is essentially the railroading accusation, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, if you know you if you've got a destiny, mm-hmm. then you know if you're destined to save the world, then you can't fail. Right. We already know the ending. There's no point in playing this playing this plot. Yeah. yeah, you know things should be things should be decided by chance, not because we've railroaded you into being the chosen one who will save the world. I want the dice to determine my fate. If we fail, we fail. Blah blah blah. Right. Yep. Yep. And and to a degree, it's 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 looking at it as you can't do a chosen one's game because then you remove the chance of dice. Yeah. And why are you playing with dice then? And. So, I guess I, I I respect the position. I, I I don't want my flippant tone to to come across like I don't think that you know I I don't want to be railroaded, and I want my game to be left to chance, and I want you know the chips to just fall where they may, and we will deal with the consequences as they happen. I don't. I don't want to make my tone sound like I don't respect that position because I do. Mm-hmm. I do. We played a lot of Baldur's Gate three over the weekend, mm-hmm. and we got a we got duped hard by a hag who did an illusion mm-hmm. and made us do something pretty reprehensible because we reacted to that illusion as if it were truth. Mm-hmm. And you were like, "Reload," and I went, "No, yeah, I'm not reloading this. This this we, was a she, failure. She tricked us. Yep, and we will suck that one up." Yeah. And that will be a role-playing moment for us. We will learn from this to be more careful. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the dice are going to fall where they may. But when when the next logical step on that is, and that's why you shouldn't do a chosen one trope. That's where I have the problem. That's where I kind of draw the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our question to the people who want to play games by the hard fall of the dice Mm-hmm. How often are your heroes actually failing in their quests? Whatever game you're playing. Yeah. D- define the words hero and quest however you want. Right. But how often are your PCs actually failing in their missions? Mm-hmm. Is... Is having a plot armor really a huge detriment to your story? Right. I mean, we, we look at games like Mouse Guard where it's fail forward. Yeah. Is literally designed into the game. Consequences instead of failure are, are are prevalent in almost every narrative game. This is a what we're talking about is a a, a base of um um assumption that divides much of our gaming community. That you have people who dis, who'd rather not have narrative choice and rather have plot choice 
and what they consider what what is considered that side your your true uh player choice you know and flexibility versus narrative pushing in a direction to the point of railroad mm-hmm. you know this is where the story's going you will never lose and uh, you know you're, you're being spoon-fed where you're going is the way they look at it versus the narrative side of people who are saying no stories end when people die when when things fail the point is is that you can still get the thing and have consequences yeah or have a consequence so severe that you have to now go do something else that a failure can occur without it being dire yeah like i said i mean i go back to wheel of time i mean that is a 14 book series of randall thor getting crapped on for 13 of it yes uh, a a perfect comment just came up in the Discord, which follows along what both of us said, which is, and, and I said this when we were in our review, which was, if you sit down for a two and a half hour movie, mm-hmm. and you watch it to the to the very end, and at the very end, all of the heroes are like, yeah, we did a good thing, and all die. By just ro- some... Ro- rocks fall, all die. Yeah. Yep. You know, some random thing. Yeah. You know, they trip, fall off the edge of the cliff, and they're all dead. Put, re, re, you should read the comment yeah. you, you just referenced. Yeah, uh, which is, I don't want the ending I earned honestly. I want the uh, want the good ending. Yeah. And uh, honestly, like, I think the other example of that happened in my game. You brought it up. Mm-hmm. I was running a 7C game, which had a, uh, a specific uh, adventure section of it where you had to work hard through your own skill sets to produce a result. Yeah. And... It was uh, basically trying to win the favor of a very specific noble. Uh, noble. Yeah. And you guys all did a great job. You pulled together all of these resources. Everybody split off and did their own, like, their own special thing. Like, mm-hmm. this character was good at talking to people, so they went and rallied a bunch of public support. This person was a good craftsman, so they made sure that the craftsmen were mm-hmm. all making the thing the noble needed, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Which produced a giant dice pool. Yeah. almost assured of a level of successes and when rolled didn't produce one yeah you rolled a gigantic handful i've never seen you roll so many dice before Mm -hmm. and i've seen you play shadow run Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you were like there's just so many ones here there's just so many ones and i'm gonna roll for to for the noble to see if he you know resists your you know, your 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 uh, proposition to him, mm-hmm. and you rolled really astronomically high for him. And it was like, okay. Yeah, he just says no. And I, I was like, okay, I mean, that was a choice to handle it like that. Right. And I think it was a learning experience for, for Very much so. storytellers. You yeah. Know? We, we, we learned from our mistakes at the table, but I think, you know, the, the, the feedback I gave you during that breakdown was like, that felt like crap. Yeah, and we, I agreed. We worked Four hours, and all of us were doing such great character things that were mm-hmm. so intrinsic to who we are in the story, and we did so much work, and you you were just like, no, nah, sorry, the dice screwed you. Yeah. And it was terrible. I mean, it's also the same reason why I won't go and rewatch the movie Bridge of Terabithia. Screw yeah. that movie. I'll never see it again. Yeah. Um, but that's the whole thing, is it's like, it, and it begged me to ask the question, how many games end on the, well, the villain won? World is over. Good game. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, and, and, like, uh, yet another thing, like, I don't like traps. 
You yeah. know how how many character stories have ended with oh sorry you stub you 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 failed a single deck save you fell in a spike trap it does twelve d six damage to you you're dead now back to Baldur's Gate yeah like my character is literally tiptoeing through a minefield to try and see if I can do something and the whole thing goes off and luckily my character survived it but there would have been easily a chance that all of us could have died right there yeah exactly all because of a perception failure how how satisfying is it. To hear your your storyteller roll some dice and go, sorry, rocks fall, I'll die. Um, And that's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. And somehow this is how it's expected to be better. Right. The the alternative to the chosen one trope where you've got a destiny and a plot (laughs) laid out before you is, well, we want things to be decided by the dice. Sometimes the dice do stupid things that are very narratively unsatisfying and not fun for literally anybody at the table. Yeah. And and I'm going to say... Not even just based on the mechanics. And, and and we're not saying that this is a an all-or-nothing situation, right? It, there is a lot of middle ground between being the chosen one and having a whole plot handed to you, and everything is decided by the dice no matter how crappy it, so it, it feels. Our point is, how much of your games are actually left up to chance, right? You You say you want that. But how much of it really is left up to chance, okay? Does the outcome truly come from the dice or chance mechanics? Or do we, as storytellers, set our heroes up for success? Yeah. Every time every a, a, a D&D dungeon master has looked at the challenge ratings and used, like, Kobold Fight Club or something like that, or D&D Beyond to piece together a quote-unquote balanced encounter, you are massaging your plot to fit with the hero's capabilities. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're already doing this, whether mm-hmm. you realize it or not. Very true. You are making balanced encounters. You are putting things in front of them be- because you are playing a game to have fun. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to kill your party. It's not fun when people die. It's not fun when the story ends in a stupid, random confluence of events that just kills the whole party and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I there's probably some groups out there that are beer and pretzels games of D&D that have a good laugh about it and then they roll up some new characters and they're all playing OSR. Like, I get that. That's, that's a way to play. Mm-hmm. Most of us. Mm-hmm. And certainly not the type of games that we talk about here on Storyteller Conclave. Like I said, we're Storyteller Conclave, not OSR Conclave. Not, not Grognar. Dun- not, not Grognard Conclave. Mm-hmm. Not, not you know, Dungeon Crawler Conclave. Not mm-hmm. Tactics Conclave. Right. We're Storyteller Conclave. We we like to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And these are not the games that we're, that we're you know, that we're, that we're talking about. Yeah. We are talking about the games where people are there to tell a story, to have a satisfying ending. Yeah. And a chosen one plot implies that it is not a tragedy. That it is not a drama that's going to have a failure point. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if that's what you're looking for, then the chosen one isn't the right thing for you. But at the same time, and I'm, I'm going to throw this down because I said it in the review, was like, did you play Skyrim and die and then just uninstall it and never play it again? Right, right, right. Did you Did you play Minecraft and die and uninstall it and never play it again? You know, do you, did you play Pandemic? the board game with your friends and didn't win. So you just tore threw, it up and threw, threw it out. Trash, yep. Just threw it in the trash. Cause you lost burned to the board. Sorry, that story guys, is over. Yep. Never, never returned to this, you know, cause that's kind of what you're saying is that, yeah, the story sucked, whatever we're done. 
Yeah. No. And that that's not the that's not the ending you wanted. No. So you tried again to get the good ending, not the ending you were handed by random chance or skill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You just, you know, Mary fooled it. Yep. <laughs> so if we're already, if we are mm-hmm. already putting in so much work to tell a satisfying story, to set our PCs up for success, and not leaving the big stuff up to chance so that they can continue that story and see it through to a satisfying ending... Aren't we kind of already treating all of our PCs as the chosen ones? Yeah. Does it really matter if we're upfront about the fact that, yeah, no, actually, you guys are marked for success. Mm-hmm. You have a place in destiny. You're Taviran. Yeah. Yeah. No, really doesn't. It just puts it out there in the story. Yeah. Just changes a few dynamics, but it ain't no different than what we're already doing at our tables all the time. Yeah, like, in a ridiculous level. Mm-hmm. I think we should end on that note. I kind of feel that way, too. I, I wanted to say, and I can't remember, um, so I wanted to put this in there, that uh, Critical Role has a new uh, campaign, the um, Candle... Candela Obscura. Yes. There's a... F- the, the, the underlying system mm-hmm. has a different name that was released that was, like, a fantasy version of it that's coming out and i can't think of the name off the top of my head um oh well they've got two games coming out one is the one that they're using for kindle obscure and i forgot uh the (sighs) see that's where i'm at right now i had a note it's it's like information society but that's a band that's not the name of the game no Um, no but what i'm saying is is that within all of this framework there is a new fantasy game coming out daggerheart Thank you, Daggerheart. Daggerheart, so that's not Candela Obscura. Thank that's you. It, it, was, it was my lead to get to it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but uh, in Daggerheart, they have different death mechanics mm-hmm. that are way more narrative. Mm-hmm. It is literally like reading through some of the notes that, that, that reviewers had on it. It feels powered by the apocalypse, uh, Blades in the Dark-esque kind of things where yeah. like you can choose to basically permanently take a, a, a box off of your sheet to to survive something mm-hmm. that is tragic and or you can basically say i want a i want a critical success as i die yeah i'm going to go out with a blaze of glory and i'm like those two things are simple mechanics mm-hmm. that make narrative stories different that's that gets you those satisfying kind of ending the i'm going to leap into the devil's maw with my blade slaying it yeah yeah you know yeah. that's what you that's the feeling you want in those epic stories you want to have a win with a loss mm-hmm Within the loss that it, that is obviously occurring, you know, it's the hero jumping on the grenade. It's the, you know, I'm going to get the bomb away from here Batman scene you yeah, know, kind sure. of a thing. And those are okay. Those can be chosen one endings that have a failure point, you know, without much, w- without the same loss level that is occurrence with the, oh, shucks, we just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. Even in our our current communities, it is clear that even in the most dedicated systems that were designed for combat and clearly still lean toward that direction and the randomness that combat creates, we can have narrative. Mm-hmm. We can have stories that have impact and meaning and we can find a common ground to say, no, I, I want to have an ending 
that is meaningful. I will take a permanent wound or I will take this so that I can grind further into this story Mm -hmm. so that in the end I have my chance, you know, that my one shot mom spaghetti whole thing. Yeah. You know, and what you're saying is you didn't waste your shot. Exactly. Exactly. So I, that's where I feel that it is obvious on the, uh, on the whole that that's where things are heading, that we're going to see much more systems, even in the tactical, you know, uh, OSR shining a light on those pieces, regardless mm-hmm. of the, the community that is like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. So that's me. All right. We have questions. We have some questions. We've uh, answered some of these, though. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've uh, never amassed a handful. Um, we, we, we're going to omit a couple that, uh, that we just blew right through. We, we, we have already directly addressed in, our, in, in the main body here. Nevum, if you feel that we didn't, please go into the Discord, shoot those questions in the discussion. We'll be glad to talk to you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so using an NPC as the chosen one, would it bring, bring some kind of frustration to the players? I'm going to say if it's a GMPC, yes. I would say if it's not, like in the case of Kids on Bikes. Um, where the players are in control of it, I, I, it definitely has a different feel. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the important part is that um, the risk of using the, the NPC as the chosen one is uh, that you're removing the agency from the players. Mm-hmm. Um, Kids on Bikes has that really great mechanic where you've got like the super powered character, the like uh, the the like eleven character mm-hmm. from say, from a. Uh, um, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. where everybody gets to control an aspect of mm-hmm. that character, and it kind of becomes play a character by committee, mm-hmm. um, is a really neat way of doing it. That way, no one character gets to be the overpowered character, but they all get to kind of be the overpowered character. Very much so. Um, yeah, but if you're just being like, oh yeah, this NPC is the chosen one, you really risk other PCs feeling like they're just NPCs in that character's story. Yeah, I think the only time that that would work in my opinion, is if that story is the theme that that is part of the, the, the overall world theme, and that's not the actual gameplay story that's going mm-hmm. on. That the players are involved in the plot, and the chosen one is what is happening in the world. Hmm. But again, you, you run a lot of risks there. Uh, Overwatch actually inputs in the, the live chat here. Uh, I like that the vibe. I like that vibe in the game so long as the NPC chosen one is incompetent or helpless. <laughs> so if you've got a chosen zero, I think that's great. And your PCs are an elite squad that essentially has an uh, overglorified uh, escort mission to get the chosen one where they need to be to fulfill the prophecy or keep them safe. Yeah, yeah that could be like the chosen one's a kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to the... And they've, uh, they've got the only reincarnated soul, and at the assigned time and place, they will transcend and blah, 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 blah. But, the Golden Child? But until With Eddie then... Murphy? <laughs> yeah. But until then, they're a five-year-old. Yeah. They're yeah. just a five-year-old. Uh, um, the Fifth Element, you know, yeah. becomes, but like... Lilu Dallas. Yeah. Multipass. Like, has to be explained, why is it so damn important to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, I think those types of things are also good, where it's like, yeah, I may not be prepared to do this, or... I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just going to be in the corner drinking. You have to save the world. Why? What did it ever do for me? <laughs> you know, and those kinds of things, those are, I think, are excellent stories. I think those are excellent stories. You're making a pizza cutter character there? Yeah. Yeah, honestly. All, all edge, no all, point. Correct. Correct. <laughs> That's one of my new favorite terms. That's great. I like that. I like that. 
All right. Uh, next question. Could Buffy the Vampire Slayer be used as an example of using the Chosen One trope in TTRPGs? Buffy acting as the Chosen One, and yet all the other main characters have their part to play and aren't outshined by the Chosen One. I agree. Nevim. I... Nevim. You have invoked Buffy. I'm going to go feral about this. Okay, this happened. Oh, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Yes, you are absolutely 100% right about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (sighs) Say what you want about Joss Whedon as a person uh, uh, and as a writer. He has certainly has his share of foibles, but man, oh man, was Buffy great. It was great during its time. And how they treated the ancillary characters in that story for seven whole seasons, is probably one of my favorite things about Buffy in general. I am, I dare say Buffy is probably the least interesting character out of the entire squad. Um, and, uh, uh, like, there is a whole scene, one of my favorite scenes in, um, uh, in, in all the story, I want to say it's in like season five or six, where Dawn is having a conversation with, uh, with Xander. The whole Scooby squad has gotten together and they're like, okay, well, I'm the Slayer, so I'm going to go fight this thing. Uh, Oz, you're a werewolf, so you can go do werewolf things. And Willow and Tara, you're witches, so go do witchy things. And that's how we're all going to come together and solve the problem. And Xander and Dawn, who don't have powers, Xander right. is like a carpenter. Yeah, at and best. He, and, he's, <laughs> and he's dating an ex demon. Yeah. I mean, um, like you do. And Dawn's superpower is she's the Slayer's sister. Mm-hmm. That's it. Reborn, if well, I remember correctly. Uh, there's there's stuff there, but yeah. we won't get into it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, her 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 superpower is she's the sister of the Slayer. She's connected. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. So these two completely mundane people are left basically behind after everybody goes off to do their superpowered stuff. And Dawn just kind of heaves this big sigh and turns to Xander, and she's like, how do you how do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean, deal with what? And she's like, how do you deal with being the normal one in this group? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody has these big, fantastic powers, and they're off doing all these heroic things, and we're just left, like, here doing whatever. Just our, our, our job is stay out of trouble and don't get kidnapped by the bad guys, mm-hmm. you know? And Xander just kind of puts an arm around her, and he's like... That's the thing, though, is that our superpower is that we don't have superpowers. We are we are special because all of them are blinded by the limelight. Buffy can't see problems as anything but the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, the only thing she, the only thing she has is a hammer, so she sees every problem as a nail. Mm-hmm. Right? Willow and Tara, they're witches. Guess what? If they can't use magic to solve a problem, they're lost. Mm-hmm. Okay? I assume the same is true for Oz, but who knows what goes on in Oz's head. Right. You know, etc. cetera. Uh, but we're normal. Mm-hmm. No light is shining on us. Nobody sees us. But we get to see everything. Mm-hmm. What happens if you're sitting in the audience mm-hmm. at a play, you know? You can't. The, the, the person on scene with the, on, uh, on the on the on the stage with the spotlight shining in their eyes, they can't see the audience, but the audience sees everything that's going on the stage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to be able to give them that perspective and say, "Hey, the solution is literally this simple." Yeah, and that's what makes us or special. Are you really going to do that and risk all of this? Yeah, that you 
didn't even notice was here. Yeah. 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 Collateral. The second best Xander scene was him standing there going, Buffy, you're being an asshole. <laughs> and I'm doubt. not going to stand here and let you ruin everything. Right. I'm the Slayer. I'm going to... No, you will shut up. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're just Buffy Summers to me. Right. Some girl that I went to high school with. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like... I love that. I love You're destiny to mean crap to me. <laughs> it was it was just no. just great, just great. Like Xander's one of my favorite characters, you know, because of that. Yeah. If if that can be played properly, right? I think it is some of the greatest stuff ever. Exactly. So, so. yes, yeah, so to to answer your question more directly, to stop fangirling for just a hot second here. Well done. Yes, absolutely. Um, everybody should have their own. Thing in and around there but like everybody having a very rich character and a part in the story can make for a very dynamic and very interesting and very good chosen one trope yep agreed 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 so the mad elf has a question mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite chosen one character stories in media that might guide or inform a storyteller in developing that kind of setting um there are some very obvious ones um I like group chosen ones. I think they make some really uh, accessible TTRPG plots. Mm -hmm. I think Wheel of Time is a good one because it, it best one. It has I made show. Um, uh, it's <laughs> it's deep. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to read. I yeah. will say that. Yeah. Um, Kung Fu Panda actually does a pretty great job. It's a, it's a, I, I've never actually seen the movie, but it sounds like from from the the descriptions you give me, it, it it examines the chosen one trope from a lot of different angles, and in each of the characters has a different take on it. Yeah, like yeah. they're there for a different reason, and you can feel the vibes of of how this could could easily fit into a tabletop game. You know, um, the jealousy, the the mistrust. The, um, I'm not going for this, but I'm sticking with this person, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, the Lego movie is actually really good because it is very much the zero hero who doesn't understand why he's there, but is given like the ultimate quote unquote power, mm -hmm. but it is no power. Right. And everybody around him is just like, you can't possibly be this thing. And yet at every turn, they're amazed by like. Okay, you didn't do anything, but kind of we're still going to follow this because you've got a good heart about it. And I think that spins itself into it enough of the those pieces mm -hmm. uh, because he's special. Um, Moana's a good one to a degree because it blends group dynamic mm -hmm. a little bit and also the whole reluctance of like, screw this, I don't want to be this anymore. Refusal of the call is yeah. what we call it. I, I love that. I yeah. love those things. Yeah. I think the unrecognizable heroes mm -hmm. are sometimes also neat ones willow is for lack of a better uh, a term it is the carry the chosen one all the heroes have to do is carry Alora dana she's the one who's the chosen one that was the baby right correct yeah 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 a little baby is supposed to be the chosen one how's how is this baby supposed to do anything they're not by you carrying them, all of you will solve the problem. Mm -hmm. It doesn't explain how she's solving the problem. She's solving it by bringing warriors to the problem. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it. We need, quickly, we need UPS delivery men. How do we summon them? Order a package. Yeah. 
dude, the movie Storks is way too good for its own need. It's the same story all over again, and it's fantastic. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, watch it. It's hilarious. Um, it Oh, God, it's so fast, and you you will laugh. Um, Chronicles of Riddick okay. is, is another one if you want to see how to handle the, the, the guess what you are now <laughs> kind of thing. And then, like, oh, crap, I guess I am that person. Mm. Well, crap. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. You know, because everyone doesn't recognize it until it's too late. Yeah, okay. And then once they do, he's hunted. Mm-hmm. So it fits all of the pieces of the hero, mm-hmm. the chosen one, uh, with the, like, unfortunate reality that, like, sh- his abilities kind of are unfathomably good, but he's built because of it. Does he have failures? Yes. Does he have to, like, somehow figure out his existence? Sure. Does he have to get past a whole ton of stuff to show why he's not a, you know, a Gary Stew? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Constantly. But at the same time, like, when he does do something miraculous, you're like, well, technically he kind of figured that crap out. Right? Okay. So, so he he trained himself up to this point. He's just cocky from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes in himself, and that's really his power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I would say I would say that would be the list that I would go over. Um, but if I had to focus on one, Matt, I would say Kung Fu Panda. Like, watch it under, like, examine how it gets built. Look at the structure of the characters and how they interact with each other. And I think you will see all the elements you would need to be able to do a story like that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely going right back to Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the reasons I've already enumerated, I won't rehash them. Um, one other thing I will I will add though, okay. that I thought was really clever. Um, when you get a story that leans into the chosen one trope so much, um, and knowing how lengthy of a story that was going to be, Robert Jordan did something very clever with his um, uh, with his implementation of the chosen one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he talks about like the weave of destiny, basically yeah. the 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 tapestry of I forgot what what it's referred to in the in the story mm-hmm. as, but they use a lot of like tapestry metaphors sure. and they refer to people's uh, you know strands of fate as threads mm-hmm. in that tapestry, um, and uh, uh, so the people who are the chosen ones for whatever they are destined to do. Cause there, there are a lot of people who are destined to do different things. They mm-hmm. may not be the dragon reborn, but there's, they are important in the tapestry. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called Taviran. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially at this point in time, in this, when the story takes place in the culmination of this big, of this big war between light and dark, you've got basically powerful Taviran are popping up because, um, Fate needs a lot of things to fall in place for this confluence of events to happen. Sure. Um, and so everybody from the two rivers that comes with uh, Rand, the dragon reborn, is also Taviran. And at a certain point in the story, uh, Robert Jordan has kind of like almost gamified the idea that these characters are chosen one tropes by giving them plot armor. Mm-hmm. And... He kind of acknowledged, I think, that um, there would be a... At a certain point, you would look at the amount of coincidences it would take to get a character through certain events. Of like, oh, they just mysteriously did this thing, or they just happened to stumble upon the thing that they very needed at the time, etc., etc. And some people in the story would call BS on it. They would be like, no, that's just, look, this is just too many coincidences. So Robert Jordan was like, fine, there's a thing called Taviran. 
I diagnose them with main character syndrome. <laughs> they uh they they have plot armor because that's a thing. It's required by the tapestry of fate. It is required by the tapestry of fate. In fact, at one point in the story, Rand kind of goes AWOL and the other characters are looking for him. And they track him down by by going town to town and listening to the locals say things like, it was the darndest thing. <laughs> this guy wandered into town, never seen him before. Some weird crap happened, like I've never seen before and like, I will never see ever again. And then he just wandered off. Which way did he go? He went west. Okay. They go to the next town west. Yeah, it was the darndest thing. This guy just wandered into town. Some weird crap happened. Yeah, it, like, go figure. Just following the odd coincidences that Taviran make just by being... Th- Look for the dude with plot armor that the that the 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 plot weaves around mm-hmm. that looks like it's trying to railroad him towards success and just follow that mm-hmm. follow that line mm-hmm. it'll point directly to the main character you'll, of the you'll story. find him you'll yeah. find him yeah no I love it I love it well I think that's it that's it that was our last question so we have a topic next week yeah it is not quite the end of august yet oh crap this is my topic isn't this it? was one that you very much wanted to do yeah so the topic next week we're gonna be talking about um pulp storytelling and its roots in a lot of like racist and imperialistic tropes yeah uh in storytelling a lot of uh, a lot of white savior tropes and mm-hmm. such like that and uh, just kind of ex- examining pulp storytelling in general, yeah, and if it is possible to tell those stories without relying on the underpinnings of imperialism and racism and such like that. Yeah, I, I, when I first when you first brought this up, I thought like, oh, this feels very niche, and then I started to examine how much Black Hat came and defined a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Black Hat White Hat definitions that came before pulp mm-hmm. and how it's stuck around yeah like what we think isn't black hat white hat is mm-hmm. pulp is really just that at its root yeah i mean we we went back and we watched uh um indiana jones not long ago Ooh. and uh it was like you know no this belongs in a museum and it's like no it doesn't it, yeah it belongs to coronado y- yes it does actually put that crap back where you found it indy yeah you know? <laughs> yeah yeah we stopped rooting for him at some point so yeah it's true it's true so all right you can find us on twitter or x at st underscore conclave you can find us on instagram at st underscore conclave you can listen to us live every wednesday night 7 p.m eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and uh, join us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to see some great questions we can answer here on the air. Bounce some great ideas off the uh, off of the other great storytellers that are there on our Discord, and mm-hmm. uh, get some ideas for your plot, campaign, whatever's going on. You can find our link on our Twitter as well as our storyteller uh, storytellerconclave.com. I'll never ever call it X. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members who help support us every single month. Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We truly appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems or on Instagram at arcaneanthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. Uh, or <clears throat> or you can find our outro music, Only Footprints in Our Sand, which you're hearing right now, on freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much Thank for loving you. and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over these years to give these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.